Everybody. Welcome to the November 6, 2015 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on the on Republican State Senator Tim Neville announcing that he will challenge Michael Bennett in the race for the U.S. Senate. Patty Cahoon from Westward. Now, Tim Neville, I'm sure, is a fine lawmaker and will be a fine candidate, but you know that we're a little desperate right now for candidates. If that's making the big headlines right now, that he's the big Republican running for uh, Senate at this point. What do you make of the announcement? Well, I think it's because the light rail driver outside this studio refused to do it. Now, we've had so many people say they thought about it, they dismissed it, and Neville has been flirting with the idea for a long time and just kind of waiting to be picked, and now at this point, he just got to pick himself because no one else is in. Amy Oliver Cook, Executive Vice President over the Impence Institute, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, what do you think of Tim Neville's chances of getting some more support, even though maybe not a, uh, a top-tier candidate right now, but could he become one? Interesting question, but I think that um, the Bennett campaign is actually going to be looking forward to having a real name. I got a fundraising uh, email from them saying that he's running against the real or Colorado's own Donald Trump, a guy named Robert Blaha. So um, Tim Neville at least has a little more name recognition. And yeah, there'll be some support. I wouldn't underestimate Tim Neville. He is very smart. But on the other side, he's also attached to some of the more um, farther right elements of the Republican Party, not really the Cory Gardner type of candidate. Penfield Tate joins us, attorney with QTAC Rock. Thank you, uh, and a former state lawmaker. So thank you for being here. Uh, you know, Tim Neville, within probably some you know, policy wonks and folks like us that get into politics, know a little bit about his background, things like that. What about the middle part of Colorado that really decides elections statewide? I mean, they hear Tim Neville, they confuse he might be one of the Neville brothers. Do they think that he's actually a viable Senate candidate? Well, that might probably hold him in better stead than um, his, his policy. I, I sort of smiled when Amy said he's kind of attached to some of the more conservative um, uh, factions and points of view. No. Tim is the, just that. Uh, one thing, he's going to be direct, he's going to be outspoken, he's going to be clear, and the vast majority of Coloradans are going to agree with, disagree with him on almost every substantive issue. Uh, and so, I, I, you know, uh, Patty's right, no one else will step up and run. Uh, I think Michael Bennett is, is probably vulnerable, more vulnerable than he's been in his tenure. But, you know, the, the GOP bench in the state is just depleted would be an understatement. You know, you've got Tim, who's, I think, stepping up because he, he, he may think it's going to be neat. Robert Blaha is, well, I, I won't even go there. But anyway, um, it's, it's unfortunate. I think Tim's going to get hammered unless something very bizarre happens, like Donald Trump becomes the presidential nominee. Then it'd be a Donnybrook. Kara DeGette, editor of the Greater Park Hill News, rounds off the panel for us. Um, do you think that this is going to be as big of a name that we get from the Republican side, or is there enough time for another name to get in the race? I mean, we're talking, I, I realize we're still a year away from Election Day, but when we're running a multi-million dollar statewide campaign, you really can't sit on the sidelines for too much longer if you think you're going to pull off going up against an incumbent. It's not just, you know, any, any race. Is there enough time for somebody else to come off the sidelines? 
Well, uh, that's that's a really good question. I, I would imagine no at this point. Um, we do have, I think, a couple more months before, you know, that, you know, line is drawn, as it were. But, yes, Penn is right. There, there's just a, a very small um, and depleted bench in Colorado at the this Caldera, point. The uh, Caldera uh, folding chair. Well, Caldera, you know, Caldera <laughs> could step up. Um, I have heard, you know, Ryan Frazier and... You know, Tim Neville, you know, if this is the best they can do, then that's, you know, unfortunate um, for the Republicans. Um, it's interesting, though, because I keep getting these fundraising pleas from the Bennett campaign, you know, war you know, saying, ah, oh, this is, you know, the most competitive, this is going to be the most competitive race in the country, and, and, you know, please help, step up now, and, you know, we might be in trouble. And I keep thinking, where's the candidate? Exactly. It's uh, probably the hardest person that's hitting is the fundraising efforts for Michael Bennett saying that, that there's an actual emergency. I get what you're saying. The recall effort that attracted national headlines in Jefferson County was successful this week as voters removed the three-member conservative majority. Voters in Douglas County did not re-elect three conservative members, joining other counties in a major turning back on education reformers in Colorado. Patty, I think the... the we knew the tide, where the tide was turning in Jeffco. It was going to be an uphill climb for those that, that recall effort to not be successful. But I'm not sure if we really anticipated the wave, especially in Douglas County, where it didn't even look as big of a campaign as it did two years ago. What were uh, your thoughts on the results from election night? Well, certainly a year ago, we wouldn't have thought that education, and not necessarily education, but education entities were going to be the big issue in this election. That was just when the protests were starting over the new board and the history, hullabaloo. The fascinating thing about Jeffco, which really was the most watched race in the country, unlike, say, Bennett versus Neville versus Blaha, uh, that it was incredible how quickly the tides turned, much more than anyone anticipated, and it wasn't really become a, because of the substance of what this board had or hadn't done. It was how the board had behaved. And that's the lesson that I think everyone needs to follow in Colorado if we want to put an end to the recall. It is behave like a grown-up once you're elected. You know, don't diss kids, students, if you're trying to teach a lesson to them. Don't diss their parents. Behave yourself. And that was really the story in Jeffco. The amazing thing in Douglas County, I hadn't heard about the board misbehaving. That maybe emphasized much more the sentiments out there, which is some of these reform fixes in education are not working, and we're going to throw everyone out again. So incredible stories in Denver, in Colorado. And then in Denver, the happy Haynes almost losing the school board. I think that was another one that had much less to do with education than people are tired of the old school coming back, the old guard coming back in, and in Happy's case, she also now is head of parks, and I think that was too much for a lot of Denverites. She barely squeaked in. Mm -hmm. Amy, the Independence Institute was a major player in this, supporting a lot of the reform efforts, so uh, a tough night over at the Institute, but uh, how do you look at it now that we're a few days away from election night? Well, if I, if I gauged my emotions on every election, be like, you know, gauging emotions on day trading. So um, we look at a long-term approach, and yes, reformers across the state lost. But let's look at the people who in Jefferson County who won. They won by embracing the policies 
of the prior reform board. So they won by saying, yeah, we're, we agree with equal funding for charter schools. Are they going to now turn back uh, that, that, that equal funding? Uh, how about raises, $21 million in raises for teachers? Or, or are they going to go back and say, listen, we're now going to build a school without any debt? So in the election, they actually embraced reform ideas. Now, if you were to go back to it, and this is where we take a really a long-term approach, 22 years ago was the Charter School Act, or almost 23, actually. If you had thought, I mean, and that was just right at that time, we're going to do something groundbreaking. 22, 23 years later, charter schools would be the largest district in the state if it were its own district. The reform train has left the station. I don't think you're going to roll those back. Personalities will change, but people like the reform policies. To Patty's point, they don't like being disrespected. They just like the reform policies, and I think you're going to find that going forward. We may have a swing in elections, but I don't think you're going to roll back those reforms because people like them too much. Mm -hmm. Pat, I think I uh, agree with uh, much of the sentence been said already, but I'd add to it, not only do folks not be disrespected, but I think politically it's when you play your, uh, play your hand too broadly, it, to, you, you play it too hard, and it's going to swing back. We've seen it politically in the legislature quite a bit, um, uh, but I guess this was the first time we saw it on such a grand scale with school boards. Do you see, uh, what's your take? Several lessons here, and, and this is a top, we could devote a whole show to this, but um, I agree with what's been said, and I've said it before, particularly about the folks in Jeffco. Sometimes how you treat people is more important than what you do. And I think they started very early on, and at least they were consistent, consistently bad. They treated people poorly, they were disrespectful, they talked over people, and they didn't seem... It's one thing to hear someone and disagree. It's another thing to act like you don't even care that they're in the room and they're speaking to you and expressing heartfelt concerns. And for better or for worse, that's how the Jeffco group was branded, cast, perceived, and now they're out. Um, I don't like the use of the recall tool in this fashion. I didn't like it in the General Assembly, and I don't like it in the fashion it's been used now. If you vote, you ought to just take your medicine if this is who you put in office and ride them out and make another choice at the next election cycle. But that's not what folks decided to do in Jeffco. Um, Douglas County is a little bit different because I think in Douglas County, I think the board members there were respectful, inclusive. I kept reading about all these community forums and community meetings they were having. I think the people just didn't agree with where they ended up. But something else happened. I think parents and kids and communities are becoming less and less patient with school districts. They want to see more rapid results, which goes to my third point. That's why I think Happy had such a hotly contested and close election against a guy no one ever heard of before, really, and she's the incumbent president of the Denver Public School Board. That tells you that even in a community that's considered more liberal and accepting, people are becoming less and less patient with, with K-12 policy. And, and finally, I think Amy's right when she talks about reform. The train has left the station. But I would submit that reform comprehensively is different than we're thinking about it now. I think in the minds of a lot of parents, K-12 education in America is a complete do-over. We need to blow it up and start all over. And it's not charters. It's not vouchers. It's a whole systemic change, you know, getting away from September to June, school calendar year, and all of these things. And I think we're going to see more and more of this uh, percolate to the top. Kira, uh, obviously recalls, uh, which 
before, I think a few years ago, had only been used very sparingly when like, you find a, uh, an elected official com committing huge, heinous crimes. Now it's a political weapon. Because it's been used successfully twice, as that train left the station, are we going to see more recalls being used in other areas? Well, I, I think so, yes. And, um, you know, actually what happened in Jefferson County um, is, is very reminiscent to me of what happened um, as far back as 2006 in El Paso County in Colorado Springs when uh, recall through uh, three of the four uh, school board members um, who were pro-voucher, um, you know, out into the street and um, you know they too were also uh, th those board members were incredibly disruptive they were uh, incredibly rude and attacked parents attacked teachers attacked um, other board members who didn't agree with them and as a result they were you know recalled and um, at the time it was you know a pretty high profile uh, you know situation in Colorado Springs hadn't really hit the rest of the state but that trend I think certainly continued over um, and replayed itself in Jefferson County um, I, I think that the the use of recall certainly will continue um, particularly when you've got such big money coming in uh, from out of state the PAC money the 501c4 money um, very difficult to um, to track and when you've got that kind of money putting um, sometimes stealth candidates or slate candidates into office what then you know comes to the board meetings and shows up you know maybe a big surprise for a lot of voters who may not have seen it coming and so um, then you know once that's realized going back and removing those troublesome candidates or um, or troublesome board members elected officials who may not believe in the basic concept of public education um, probably will be a tool that's used again Voters in Denver were in a generous mood on Election Day, approving most of the proposed tax increases except for the proposal that would have created a college fund for low- and middle-income students. Uh, Amy, the sitting county of Denver can usually be counted upon as a very generous bunch of comes to tax issues. Uh, there's hard to find episodes where they have said no, although we found one of them this time. But when it came to taxing uh, cowboys or buying some airport land, not a problem this time. Any surprises for you? <laughs> Well, actually, I was thrilled that they said no to one thing. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, Denver. Even the Democrats in Denver couldn't, couldn't buy off on. And if I remember, I, I think even the Democrat Party opposed it. I mean, listen, we, you know you haven't done your homework when Denver, which is a, a fairly um, generous city, as you, as you described, will, will say no. And, I also think at some point, too, you go to the, you know, you, you sort of go to the well one time too many, and people also look and go, you know what, at some point, is this really the function of, of the of Denver city government? I mean, is this really what they're supposed to be doing? I mean, we've got a number of other issues we should be addressing. Yes, the city is generous, but even they have a point, the, you know, city residents, city voters are at a point where I, I think not only did they think it was a bad idea, but I also think they had trouble swallowing this as a, as a legitimate function of the city of Denver. So I commend them for doing that. Meanwhile, my own city passed two tax increases.
Well, one and then uh, extended another one. So congratulations, Denver. You said no more times than Greeley did. Oh, there's a headline I didn't expect to hear. Uh, uh, Penn, I, I guess watching the campaigns, you can clearly see the priorities from City Hall because you saw these whether they're well scripted or not we can we can argue that another day but you saw the ads with the with the bulls and the whole thing and the whole stock show and everything else i remember seeing a lot of ads with colleges and and, and kids getting higher education so did that was that the reason behind the result for from tuesday night Yes, but before I answer the question further, um, Amy's right. One other thing I ought to point out, we ought to acknowledge, you have two conservative Republicans, Tom Norton and John Southers, both mayors of their communities, with tax increases on the ballot that they pr uh, put forward. So uh, it, it sort of speaks to the next topic we'll, we'll get to. But, um, yeah, I think it mattered. You know, we, we saw more cute commercials with Longhorn, Larimer the Longhorn, um, and talking about the DIA deal than the school deal, but I also think Amy's right. I think part of what we saw in these school board elections and part of what I think happened in Denver, and again, it's, I think it's reflected in Happy's race, is people are saying, you know, schools, let's, let's figure out how to educate kids and get them out of high school with a solid foundation. And f college education, how we finance that is the next step. We don't know if the city ought to do that or if the school system ought to do it. We know it's an issue. But we don't think this is necessarily the right vehicle right now to do it. Um, but clearly, voters decided, you know, if we're going to save the National Western, and I've gotten a lot of criticism for my having commented before about the financial state of the National Western, but the whole reason for this proposal and the reason it passed sort of provides a mechanism to sustain it and transform it into something that is more economically viable into the future. And I think that's a good thing because mm -hmm. we're, we're preserving the Western heritage in the state. Um, the DIA deal, I think the more remarkable part of the vote wasn't Denver, but the fact that Adams County overwhelmingly supported uh, modifying the intergovernmental agreement with Denver to allow that development to take place out around the airport also. So um, interesting election results uh, this past Tuesday. Kara, did Denver surprise you in any way with the results from Tuesday? Not, not really. I think that um, certainly Mayor Hancock emerged uh, victorious, um, and you know his legacy with the National Western is, um, I, I think, assured unless things go drastically wrong down the road um, with the actual construction of um, of the project, and um, depending on how much of the um, uh, money and effort act you know really does end up going into um, helping out the folks in Globeville and Elyria Swansea neighborhoods, which also were assured um, you know great improvements in much needed um, areas of the city. Um, I think that the college scholarship Amy is absolutely right. Uh, I think voters really started scratching their heads and saying, "Hey, is this really a function of you know, the city government. And, um, you know, I, I was at a meeting earlier this week with um, Mary Beth Sussman, the city councilwoman from Denver, um, and some folks in East Denver talking about the ongoing maddening frustrations over um, inadequate storm rotter drainage and the fact that every time there's a substantial rainfall, it floods their, their basements, their properties, and creates 
um, you know, thousands in some cases, hundreds of thousands worth of um, damage. And um, you know, re the the relief for them is years, maybe a decade or so away. And I think that that really is um, what. Mary Beth Sussman and other members of the City Council who oppose the college scholarship program um, are really emphasizing is the need to you know refocus and and realize what the city is responsible for doing. Patty wrap it up for us. Well that college vote did do one thing which is after Bloomberg came in with 150,000 infusion and we got the worst commercial of the campaign, the Hancock Hickenlooper playing basketball. I think that alone killed the vote. <laughs> Horrible commercial. And it did have the added advantage of it made the stock show commercials, which I made fun of here before, and I stand by that, look a little bit better because that one was so bad. You know, the stock, as I've said before, I love the stock show, hate that campaign, love what, it, what this proposal could do for that part of long-neglected Denver what it can do for the plat, what it can do for those neighborhoods. But because we just voted in a never-ending tax, what we have also voted in is a never-ending job for this town's few investigative reporters to watch where the money is going. This is a huge, huge, very vague project, and we are all going to have to pay very close attention. We've never had a building project in Denver cost more than it did in an election. That's, you know where the money go in happened. funny places? <laughs> Let's get a quick take on this last one. Governor John Hicklin proposed the 2017 budget with $373 million in spending cuts that may affect hospitals and higher ed. The plan also leaves room for $189 million in taxpayer refunds and was criticized by both Democrats and Republicans. Pan, your quick take. Uh, it illustrates the problem, the issue with Tabor. The fact that we have this artificial constraint caused by Tabor. We have revenues that are in place, not because of new taxes or higher rates, just economic activity. And we're in the anomalous situation where we're going to give refunds, but we have to cut the budget because we don't have enough money to fund core governmental services. Something has to give. Kira, this kicks off a six-month uh, campaign. It's going to be ugly, right? That's right. It's uh, going to be six months worth of fireworks and uh, what Representative Millie Hamner, you know, described as, you know, death by a thousand cuts is, uh, is you know, kicking into what is going to be a high-stakes gear for higher education, uh, 20 million dollars in proposed cuts and, um, you know, of course, uh, rural health. I mean, this is, it's going to be an interesting six months. Patty, at least the governor was able to unify both Democrats and Republicans on this one. Right. Well, it's going to be an interesting year because while the legislature is fighting this out, Colorado voters are going to have to deal with the issue that we have kicked the can down the road for 20 years making the kinds of constitutional fixes we have to make to, you know, there are a lot of provisions of Tabor people like, but there also are others in that, in the Gallagher, in 23, that have just completely hamstrung the budget. So you can't put the money where you want it, um, you're just stuck. And Build a Better Colorado, even if you think it's a commie plot, like I think the Independence Institute <laughs> does, they're going to be traveling around Colorado and at least trying to educate people about the problems economically in our Constitution. That's good. We should all try to figure out what's going on. Amy, your quick take on the plot. I just want to start by saying that both Penn and Kara have said I'm right. 
Oh, in this show. In this show. Both of them. Do you want to end it there? So that's it. Good night, everybody. I just want, that should be the headline. Um, and as far as coming, no, it's, it's politicians who continually want to spend more of taxpayer money. I mean, the refund, $189 million out of a, I, I, if I read this, was it a $27 billion budget? I mean, give me a break. You mean taxpayers can't have a, a minuscule amount of their money back? What, what lawmakers and the takings coalition don't like is that politicians will have to prioritize a budget. And dare I say, we warned a long time ago that with this dramatic Medicaid expansion, other pet projects were not going to be able to be funded. And real quickly, Linda Gorman's thumbnail guide to Colorado spending problem, higher education in 1999-2000 to today is up 614.8%. Meanwhile, transportation funding is down 9%. So it seems to me some legislators have some work to do prioritizing the budget. If only we knew a few that would have to do some of those priorities. It should be fun. A <laughs> uh, little bit of time left. Favorite, favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week, Patty Sarsoff. Well, the story is still unraveling in Colorado Springs where there was that horrific shooting. Yes, we understand that there are you can carry in Colorado Springs, but if someone calls 911 and is a little worried about someone walking on the street with a gun, maybe the police should show up a little faster. Amy, your Disgrace of the Week? President Obama for canceling Keystone XL. Penn? Uh, the... Mess at Canyon City High, the high school in Canyon City with the sexting scandal. That's spooky. That even parents who are trying to monitor their kids can't keep up with the technology. Various apps hiding things, hundreds of kids. A little, a little crazy. Kara? I have to double down on Patty's uh, Colorado Springs and calling out the cops for not responding and going even further and defending their yeah. non-response to the 9-11 call that came in from a distraught woman reporting her neighbor was walking around uh, not looking too good with gas cans and, oh, long guns, maybe a shotgun ready to shoot and okay. did. Time to say something nice about somebody. Patty? It is the start of Denver Arts Week, which has a lot of great activities around town, and especially tomorrow night, night at the museums. Many institutions will be open all night. It's a great time to get out and see your city. Very nice. Amy. Peter Groff for writing an excellent article in the Colorado Statesman about rewarding teachers as the, for the, being the professionals that they are and praising the previous Douglas County School Board for instituting market-based pay for them. Penn. Governor Hickenlooper on a policy call that isn't getting a lot of attention, but his raising the question of when can Colorado's attorney general institute or join a lawsuit? When does the attorney need a client to represent? It's going to be fascinating to see how it turns out. Kara. Adeline Gray, who is from Colorado and is a darling, wonderful, four-time uh, world champion wrestler who was named as a finalist for the USC, USOC uh, uh, Female Athlete of the Year. Way to go, Adeline. Cool. That is all the time we have tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in Tuesday for at 7 p.m. for Street Level. Host Eden Lane takes us to South Pearl Street here in Denver. Remember that you can catch any part of the show or CIO postgame online, and be sure to check out CIO Podcast on iTunes. For everyone here at Channel 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks very much for watching. Good night. Mm-hmm.